Kartik. Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast today at uh, Seamless Dubai. Again, we are recording a couple of uh, of shows here, and uh, we have uh, in this session with me Lina, who is going to ask like the first ten minutes of questions. Before she's doing this, Kartik, please can you introduce yourself uh, for a couple of minutes and what uh, Sharaf is doing? So thank you so much for hosting me this afternoon. I represent Sharaf Retail. Sharaf Retail is the lifestyle, fashion, indulgence, and adventure retails arm of Sharaf Group. Typically, operate in nine countries, eight brands, hundred plus outlets, two thousand plus people, and growing progressively year on year. Focus of being digitization and uh, e-com omni-channel in the next three years. Yeah, we've been in the region for almost thirty years and have grown from one country to eleven countries. In the last nine, uh, eight to ten years. Can you give before Lena is asking like the very, very hard, tough e-commerce question, like a rough, uh, uh, some rough numbers? So, what kind of revenue are we talking? How many people are working for Sharaf? So, Sharaf is a bit more, a bit yeah. more distance. A so Sharaf is more, more, uh, more distance, yeah. like like this. Yeah. Sharaf is typically a two thousand plus organization, two thousand plus people organization. Started with around two uh, hundred million revenue. Pre-COVID went to around a billion. Came down to around four hundred, and now is steadily growing up to a billion again. So we're growing. Our digital revenue comes in at anywhere between eight uh, to twelve percent, and the brick and mortar revenue is the remaining. We haven't ventured into the wholesale and distribution arm of the business yet. Okay, Lena, what kind of tough questions have you brought for? Kartik today. So uh, first of all, Kartik, it's uh, really like a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And uh, for listeners around the world, I can just say that uh, Kartik is one of the people in this region that actually did go from brick and mortar to omni-channel, though actually, sorry, multi-channel, omni-channel. And so that's exciting journey and experience you have. But the second thing, I think is just the, the variety of different brands that you serve is phenomenal and you know we're talking everything from fashion like fast fashion like forever 21 right where you you probably get the very young consumers to people like myself you know who sometimes decides to climb you know mount kilimanjaro and uh, you know and turns to your adventure hq to buy the quite a complex list of uh, products that i have no idea about and i trust your team you no know, i do a research online and I'll maybe I interact online and offline. So as 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 you're covering such a wide spectrum of different brands, maybe you can tell us a bit more around profitability versus growth. Where do you stand? Because a lot of digital brands, you know, we're all growth, growth, growth at any expense. And a lot of brick and mortar brands are all about profitability, profitability first over growth. What about share of uh, retail and uh, what's your view on that? One needs to 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 give you an answer to that. I might let you let to take you back a few steps. Sharaf typically is a family-owned business built over four generations with eight to ten different di divisions. Shipping being the largest, it's come in with a philosophy of sustainable, scalable, people-first growth. So we are not about valuations. We are not a venture-funded business. We do not thrive on scaling top line at a cost of bottom line. What we thrive on is. Goals and revenues and top line, bottom line that can be consistently achieved year on year. So you would not see us growing at fifty, sixty percent year on year. That's that's not a kind of scale that we aspire. But what we aspire is to create a very solid foundation which can continue to sustain and survive. It survive over the next few years while the while the pro proceeds from that 
would fund our e-commerce business. Our online business, historically, which started uh, way back in 2019, 2020, is also not about a valuation-driven venture-funded business. So while we know that we wouldn't be able to drive profitability from year two, year three onwards, we are mindful of the fact that that growth has to come in at some level of optimization of expenses, some level of synergies between the two channels, some level of synergies between the brands in a manner that we can drive that 360 degree ecosystem in a profitable manner. So some of my businesses might not be profitable, some of my brands might not be profitable, but at an enterprise level, we strive towards optimizing them. Yeah, very. And I think, you know, for the global uh, set of speakers, uh, listeners, it's very interesting because I think this region is really maybe what we're seeing going in the West in terms of uh, some tech layers on, on layoffs and all. Here, we were always so cautious about profitability that even though there might be a slowdown, it's not, we're not as affected at, as, as maybe some of the Western countries, you know, in terms of. Definitely. If you noticed post COVID, Probably this was the first region to bounce back and go back to the regular business trends driven by a proactive government, very strong consumerism, strong tourist inflows and I would say robust fundamentals of the business. We have not been into a situation where post-COVID we've had to, let's say, strive and work hard for growth. Growth has been coming in, but growth has come in at a lot of optimization. Gone are the days when businesses would survive on truckloads and millions of units of inventory. Today, inventory is a key underlying factor. Human resources, which typically used to be 14-15% of the expenses, have come down to 9% of the expenses and people are still looking at optimizing. What has happened is, unlike the, a lot of Western economies where there was oversupply of uh, human resources, the avenues of business have reopened so quickly in the region that the same supply of human resources is now catering to that much more business. I used to work at a, in 100 stores. Today, I work at 140 stores and four channels. So the same team is able to cater to that 140, 150 stores and multiple channels. So it's not about all laying off people. It's about optimizing and making sure that they deliver. Can you, because um, uh, we, we have like... Um, uh very quickly introduced the business and you said you're active in so many different like industries shipping is like one of your largest industries so what is a what are the stores about what are you selling exactly for the ones that especially know know like european store infrastructure so, so I'll what give is you an there? idea about the brands that we have forever 21 is a relationship that we have for last 21 years we used to own that relationship with the chang family then the business went uh, bankrupt, uh, filed Chapter 11 in 2019, got bought over by ABG. So today we are one of the largest licensee partners for ABG in, in the world. We work with Cotton On Group, which is uh, an Australian business with six brands. Out of that five brands is what we have in the region, Cotton On Typo, Body, Mina, Ruby. We have Adventure HQ, which is an Emirati in-house uh, developed uh, brand. We started with around 20 brands in it and today we have 130, 140 adventure brands and 50 to 60 fitness brands in our store. Across the businesses, uh, we all, along with that, we also have an adventure zone, which is an outdoor, uh, indoor activity arena. We have Chill Out, which is an experiential uh, lounge, Hello Kitty Beauty Spa, and we have our coffee shops. Across our business... And it is, it's with, all under the Sharaf umbrella. This is under Sharaf Retail umbrella. Retail. Apart from Sharaf Retail umbrella, there is Sharaf DG, which is the electronics arm of the business. Then there's Sharaf Hospitality, but that's a, that's a, that's quite a far stretch for like for one for one brand. So how how, how this you've described I don't know five different brand experiences. So you, but you are putting it all under one name. So why is this? So historically, if you see between 
in in this region there were three large brand houses there's apparel with the maximum number of brands then there's landmark who used to have brands and has moved towards their own labels and then there is sharaf group then there are a lot of other businesses like bna leva all of them have bought brands from different parts of the world and made sure that they're democratized in the region we have been cautious of the brands we wanted to grow we are in the lifestyle indulgence and uh, outdoor space only we haven't moved into any other space we are not in the luxury space we are not in the i would say beauty and cosmetic space we continue to focus here the reason why we are able to manage these brands is because of the individual relationships that we've had so one of one of them is a large push model business one of them is a pull model business the other is an aggregator model business so we put different teams catering to their with different business requirements i think we are able to do a good job of managing them whether we want to add more brands yes we would add more brands in the same space we might not venture out into a new category for the moment so just on that you know i think what's also interesting is alex you mentioned you know it's a lot of brands under one umbrella but what's also uh, i've saying in sharaf retail it's 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 interesting is if you take forever 21 right so globally it's bankrupt and here you are successful so maybe you can tell the speaker the, the listeners where is the success coming from and like what what how are you surviving in this region where it's like it's not the size of the united states but you manage to keep the brand going and and it's a successful brand so 2019 the chang family filed chapter 11 in forever 21 and the brand was bought over at uh, abysmally low valuations by abg group abg group then started licensing the brand to different regions today we have relicense for uh, gcc and far east the reason why we've grown is we continued to invest in our stores we continued to invest in omni channel we continued to find alternative ways of merchandising our business while it was a push model it was difficult to move from a push model to a pull model but the fact that we went quickly to a pull model and then started lo- local sourcing and licensing of merchandise through our own partners in different parts of the world helped us ensure that we could work towards a 52 week freshness forever 21 is about 52 week freshness on the floor and we could optimize some of the inventory which a lot of other regional partners had challenges especially in latin america and north america where the moment the chang family filed for bankruptcy couple of years of inventory was uh, flushed down every retail partner's throat mm. we could manage that and uh, bring our own inventory to the table and and um just uh, understanding like your your coverage geographically your on what regions here are you focusing what cities are you operating in so we are very strong in uae we are building our presence in oman bahrain and we are exponentially trying to scale our presence in ksa ksa is a next big, big frontier for 2023 parallelly we are very strong in malaysia we're building indonesia singapore thailand we existed in thailand and singapore we came out during covid and uh, we may explore india as a geography in the later half of the year and in all those regions you're always operating under the sharaf retail brand yeah. everything is always under sharaf retail company owned showrooms we haven't gone to the level of sub franchising and sub leasing it out to others we believe in managing it on our own and what is like pushing your growth more is it like adding another brand offering under sharaf retail or is it like adding new features in the online channel actually it's all of it we've got so much fine tuning and so much optimizing to do that even if we were to continue doing this for next 2 years we would unlock a lot of value we've not reached a level where we can proudly go out and say that we are doing it right every time we make a lot of mistakes we make mistakes every week when we stop making mistakes we would see that we would grow double digit year on year in our existing outlets 
over and above that in this exist in the same geographies we have still a lot of opportunities to open more outlets we've got more geographies our online channel is already growing at anywhere between 35 to 50% depending on what brand what geography i'm talking about we've got 16 geographies for the online channel to pick up we've got a marketplace of our own coming up so there's so much that we we can do and another brand would be a complete distraction i would say but still there's a lot of opportunity so growth is multidimensional i don't know how many dimensions but it's multidimensional okay i think i'll just ask the last question before i i i leave you gentlemen and uh, i think what's very interesting cuz maybe you, you know alex you also don't know um under shara retail they have a very interesting concept of adventure hq so karthik can tell you more about what they sell but um they approach the whole omni channel on that platform completely differently than the the way they approach let's say omni channel at forever 21 right which is like a fashion very traditional e-commerce driven website while on adventure hq is more like Airbnb I would say right and also maybe you can share even even that sort of dimension imagine managing something like this with uh, with the same team you know like we have a traditional checkout and we have a checkout which is pretty much like booking your Uber so Kardik maybe you can share like how, what are you doing at Adventure HQ So we're the only adventure retailer in the region there's nobody who has got categories all the way from hiking biking camping 4x4 outdoor fitness snorkeling water sports you name it because people are not doing so much outdoor stuff here i no, would there, say there is, uh, you'd be surprised there is a huge demand for it the challenge is about availability because it's a very i would say versatility and knowledge driven business our belief typically and we are used to people going to the stores and picking up what they want you'd be surprised when people come to buy camping they definitely don't know what they're looking at there are three kinds of consumers we meet one but but they said it's here in dubai is there people going camping oh massive you'd be surprised you'd be surprised so there are three kinds of consumers we get one is a pro adventurer a pro adventurer is somebody who runs does 100 kilometers every week on a bike climbs one mountain does 15 days of camping loves treks loves hikes runs triathlons for him it's about knowing that there's an adventure hq which has 50000 skus across 200 brands whatever he needs in the adventure space he can just go and pick up but the remainder is your typical aspiring and an intermediate or a pro learner who doesn't know what he wants but he needs to go out and do and do an adventure or a typical emirati customer an arab expat who wants to go to the desert but doesn't know what he needs to do so he comes to the store and says i am going out for a camping expedition with my family that's where the journey begins you invest a couple of hours to understand who is he going with where is he going how many people are going how many days are they going what location are they going and the journey begins by saying okay you want a tent four people tent five people tent six people tent you want an open tent a gazebo you want a tent with air supply waterproof thermal proof what kind of tent then you come to the sleeping bag if you're going to hatta you need a plus 20 degree sleeping bag but if you're going somewhere in the alps or if you're going to kilimanjaro base you need a minus 5 degree sleeping bag then you come to your high poles then you come to your stretcher then you come to your cooking utensils are you going to do overnight you would need a power charger or a power bank which is again a, a bulky product are you going to go out as a family you would need a carry bag you would need a backpack so the entire camping journey is an invigorating experience for a shopper and we are trying to build it online which is what we call as an intent driven assisted shopping experience so yes adventure hq is a unique space a very differential opportunity for us to build and those retail stores you are building within existing malls or you are building outside of malls so it's an accident that we opened our first adventure hq store in times square 
but uh, we believe that it's a combination of both that would work uae still doesn't have a lot of options in the high street retailing or off off mall locations but as we venture into ksa we would typically look at a large 30000 square feet location which would uh, is become this a, a, is this size available in 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 malls is this, is this so we don't size? operate uh, we don't operate uh, those kind of stores in the uae in uae we operate only a uh, 15 20000 square feet store but outside of uae we operate large stores Okay, looking and, at. But that's when when you're driving here uh, around Dubai or like even in Riyadh, and you see like there's another mall and a big mall, and there's another another mall. Then I say, okay, yes, m- many people are like coming to this region, but there must be kind of a, a saturation level achieved sometimes. It, 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 how many malls can survive in this kind of environment? Do do you see saturation already? Oh yeah, definitely. So with every new mall coming up, there's one mall that dies. Ah. So but what kind of mall is dying old malls small no. malls so it's about geographies let's say if we are today we are operating in the central dubai creek area harbor area or mirdif uh, warka the older properties are dying and the newer locations like alzaya are come picking up uh, traction dubai hills which has come in between dubai mall and uh, mirdif is becoming a very popular destination not at the expense of mall of emirates and dubai and and dubai hills but at the expense of a mirdif city center so locations are coming up but older locations are lose sometimes losing relevance malls are going towards renovation at the end of the day it's the same number of people that are living in the city whether they shop from here or there depends on how unique the proposition is how unique the offering is in the malls but like for the adventure q uh, business for example it was such a variety of products and you could even offer activity uh, activity things within the store like a big tank where people can try out their scuba diving equipment or could try out like archery or whatever that would be like reason enough to find uh, locations outside of big malls it might be even cheaper for you is this something you can see in the region or are like people really drawn into this kind of mall thing in uae we might see a challenge in that but outside of uae especially in ksa where high street is a known phenomenon we see an opportunity to build something in uh, off site or off mall locations a typical 30000 square feet warehouse location which can accommodate all the 9 10 categories yes Okay, when you when you're looking into your like e-commerce operations, um, was it what what is it right now you're focusing on? Is it like getting more stores up and running? Is it uh, is it more on the loyalty side, getting getting your email campaigns more personalized, getting into WhatsApp newsletters or different things? So, what is the biggest challenge? I think uh, all of them, all of them are important. All of them are priority, but for us. what is important is that for forever 21 adventure hq and cotton on and our marketplace that we are planning let's get the fundamentals right let's get the platform up and running let's get the inventory plugged in merchant centers aligned so that the engine starts running and then we start optimizing the engine by getting our acquisition cost under control opening up further channels of uh, through the funnel optimizing the funnel in a manner that our repeats and retention increases so that our overall viability of the business continues to grow and then we would get into fine tuning the entire ux ui from a cro point of view to to make sure that how is it that we plug the gap from a 1 and 1/2 2% conversion to a 3 and 1/2 4% industry slowly moving towards a 3 and 1/2 conversion in this space how do we reach there how do we optimize the customer's basket value how do we try and bring in a lot of referral business into our fold and and you obviously have then a lot of like omni channel customers that go in the store and buy in your online experience but um what was the 
uh, was the adaption um, accelerated during COVID when some of the stores had to be closed? So when the stores uh, had to be closed during COVID, our e-commerce business was born as a necessity out of COVID. It never existed before that. So when we opened the business during COVID, we realized whatever was available, people were shopping. But as the markets continued to open and as the business uh, came back to normalcy, while a lot of consumers went back to the conventional space, a lot of consumers continued to shop with us online because they got used to the idea of continuing the online purchases. And today we use that ecosystem to drive a lot of lookalike audiences and referral audiences back into the business. The key determining factor is what bots gets bought online versus what gets bought offline are very different categories. The shopping behavior, the shopping mindset, the time spent on the session on the website, number of sessions, etc. is very different. And what, what we've seen in uh, in other regions of the world is that usually marketplaces are taking over a big part of the online market share, like uh, Amazon in the Western world or some other marketplaces in uh, in Europe, like um, like um, Bull.com in the in the Netherlands or Mercado Libre in South, South America, because like more offers, more SKUs, like more leverage, like on on the logistics. That is something that's really, really, really sticky with the with the customers. What, what's your view here? So you're like running different brands every brand obviously has the challenge of acquiring customers retaining customers within like the ecosystems are you afraid of like big markets placing taking over your hardly fought for online share so i would say we have a marketplace policy we engage with marketplaces on differential merchandise on differential pricing we might not be comfortable moving away from a marketplace to an outright buy because then we would try and compete with our own merchandise and our own uh, rankings in 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 the in the google ecosystem but what we would what we continue to encourage is healthy participation with marketplaces in the regions that we operate so that at the end of the day the customer gets a holistic view and a ho and and a rounded offering but of what what i can buy at Sharaf retail is you exclusively you sell exclusively so there's no other places i can uh, buy forever 21 or adventure hq stuff no you cannot buy a forever 21 uh, same merchandise anywhere else what is being sold on forever 21 online or what is being sold on forever in our forever 21 stores maybe some of it or or a select line might go to some of the marketplaces as we venture into that territory in the next few months but otherwise you would not see it anywhere else so you're you say you don't see a problem at all like having inventory which you have like exclusive access on in a seller model on marketplaces so you control the price eventually you don't trying, want to you want like a third party controlling the price running we're campaigns to, we are, we're going through that journey with uh, one of the large marketplaces mm -hmm. as a pilot to see how does that co ecosystem coexist uh, if things work out then maybe by August we would be present in one or two marketplaces in the region but it's going to be a very cautious journey it's not something that we have built into our uh, business fundamentals as uh, a growth pillar but all the stuff you're selling at Adventure HQ, that's also exclusively sold by Not you? all of us, not all of it. Out of the 200 brands that we have at Adventure HQ, around 14, 15 brands are exclusive to us, which only we have. The remaining is uh, merchandise available from different partners. The fact that I am the only guy who has all the merchandise in camping and all the merchandise in hiking and all the merchandise in biking makes me unique. Not the brands that I carry. It's about everything under one roof that makes me unique. Okay, but there are there's like a 
quite a possibility that some of those brands are under price pressure because they might not control their own distribution uh, that well. So there might be like a lot of stock available in marketplaces for low prices. Then people might come to your store and say, you know, Kartik, uh, this tent here you've presented to me, I saw it online for 50% of of the price. So critical categories, critical brands and critical products, we control the prices. These are exclusive to us. Ah, okay, makes sense. To- 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 totally, totally makes sense. How? And you said you've uh, uh, you've um, ventured into Malaysia and uh, we are very in strong Singa- in Malaysia. We are venturing into Singapore. We were present in Singapore pre-COVID. During COVID, we wound up that operation. How, how did this come? Because I don't see any. There's no synergy effects customer-wise uh, on these regions. Like no, no, Sharaf Retail always has. Sharaf Retail has been in multiple geographies. Sharaf Retail was in uh, GCC. It was in uh, Russia. Mm. It was in uh, Far East. It had a small Australian operations. It had a small South African operations as well. And then we started consolidating the business. So with Forever 21, we went into multiple geographies. Far East was a very strong market for us. COVID disoriented us a little bit, but we are going back. We've opened five stores in the last six months and we plan to open another seven, eight stores. Our Malaysia platform goes live day after tomorrow. So yeah. Okay, let's at the end of the podcast focus a bit like on the on the region momentum. So some of the guests told me that uh, within the last uh, 12 months after the Ukraine war, there's like uh, lots of new momentum coming into this region. Lots of like building projects are restarted. I think they're even rebuilding the world and the palm too. So is it do you see it also like in retail like things are picking up more competition on on interesting uh, uh, retail um, retail inventory and retail space? Some categories are seeing a lot of uh, competition. Some categories are seeing a very strong consumer demand. But uh, the cyclicity of this demand is purely dependent on uh, tourist inflow and uh, depending on how the local sentiments are. So we've seen positive uh, green shoots in the last few months. We hope that it continues to the end of the year. Is this region dependent also on like Chinese tourism? Because this is going to pick up like in Q3, Q4, I've been told. To, this region is dependent on tourism. It's tourism from different parts of the world. It depends on the Russian tourism, Asian tourism, Chinese tourism, European tourism, different types of different parts of the year. But our peak business is between anywhere between September to March. So September to March decides the fate of the rest of the year. Okay. Kartik, I definitely want to see now an Adventure HQ uh, store. So you have to guide me through the best mall where I can, uh, where I can see it. Thank you for your time. 